Welcome to September Sisters. I'm Abby, the older sister. And I'm Hannah, the younger sister. This is the podcast where two sisters, who also happen to be friends, chat about books, life, and childhood. Thanks for joining us. how's it going I need a better response to the question how's it going because my default is just fine and dandy but like I don't always mean it and then it and then because I don't mean it I feel like I have to say it in a funny way right and then and then it just you know how's this how's it really going Oh, we do not have the time <laughs> to have that conversation. <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine too. <laughs> Excellent. Let's move on. I know. I know. Well, it's a beautiful day. The clouds are all puffy. The sun's out. Oh, it's lovely. So that helps. Thanks for the weather report. <laughs> Still not in favor of making that a thing but oh it it was a thing <laughs> at the very beginning oh, golly gee. did you ever watch mean girls yes you know i have never seen the whole movie but i've seen really like me yeah i mean does that really surprise you um but i've seen not. a lot of like memes about it you know and i've seen like yeah. clips of stuff and that just reminds me of like Stop trying to make fetch happen or make fetch a thing or like whatever. <laughs> I think it's, is it Gretchen who keeps trying to say fetch? Whatever. Yeah, I like, don't know. I've definitely seen it a handful of times. It's been a while. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. So quit trying to like make that the weather report thing. Do we have, oh, we do. Okay. So breaking news. We yes. have a special guest for our fact checking segment yes. this week because we called on the one and only well let's not name her in case you know she wants to preserve her privacy but our True. mother Mama. weighed in mm-hmm, indeed weighed in on the 11th hour solution debacle it was, it was hilarious because she remembers it entirely differently than we do <laughs> Which really was to be anticipated. I know. I thought there was going to be some inkling, like something that overlapped, but the three of us remember it completely differently. The only thing that's similar is it's about the same book. Yeah. And we were trying to solve the mystery. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But, you know, at least that's consistent. So. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's let, uh, let's let mom give her own explanation of whether or not she solved the mystery of the 11th hour yes hey mom how's it going good i thought you were on recording with me yeah we got we got a quick question for you okay back in the day did you ever solve um the book the 11th hour not really i believe that you all did not want me to solve it <laughs> you didn't want me to give anything away typical <laughs> that sounds like us kept the book away from me <laughs> i believe that i 
couldn't find the book because I was going <laughs> to. Oh my gosh! Classic. You know that was a long time ago, so I'm not sure. You know, don't quote me, but I believe that that was the basic gist of it. And you wanted to solve it. Open up the back. I don't even know how that thing got open. I didn't want the back open. So you all had a good go at it, right? And I feel like I did think I figured it out, but I don't remember if I ever confirmed what I thought. Oh, like because I didn't want to be the one to open the back until you all had it. So right, that's possible that I did figure it out, but I never confirmed that I figured it out. Gotcha. I didn't want to be the one that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You can't always remember. You think you're going to remember everything, and then you just can't always remember everything. Oh, that's true. All right. Well, we thank you for your time. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Hey, no problem. Oh. I love mom. I know that I was dying. I <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so classic. Oh, you kids. You so kids. Good. Well, just I love that her default is always to just remind us how long she's been a mother. Yeah. And that is unreasonable of us to expect. <laughs> she will have stored I know. all those years of memories in the same way that we have. I know. So great. Well, it is it is true. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure I'll get the same thing when my boys are grown up. Like, what was it like when we did that? Or, like, kid, I don't know. Do? When did I lose my teeth? I don't know. <laughs> no other fact checking that we needed to uh, accomplish. No, that was that was literally it. Look at us being so accurate. Holla, unless like something that happened that we just didn't notice was a factual inaccuracy. So That's what our listeners are for to point out. That's right. Um, excuse me, I'd like you to fact check. I know. Don't get carried away though. Yeah. Send us an email. Yeah. September scissorspot at gmail.com. Exactly. Um, so we have a new book to talk about today. Woo-woo. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. You won the pitch. You. The shocker of all shockers. Well, yeah, That's well, not sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> you are painting me in such a negative light <laughs> that I don't appreciate. That's I am a so very funny. agreeable person. Thank you. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I, you know, I don't view it as negative. I just, I mean, I think you have very good ideas and I think you pitch things well. Um, uh-huh. and I think just sometimes, you know, uh-huh. you know uh-huh. steamroll in a bit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. I am so offended. I, mean, I love you. <laughs> I just, I, oh. but here's the thing. I, I feel like, I feel like it's not surprising because it's not like you, you quote, win everything or you steamroll everything. I really, I don't think that about you. I just Mm -hmm. think with the books and the pitching, Mm -hmm. like I think about when we were creative as kids and we would do our plays 
for mom and dad. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, I'm waiting to see how you dig yourself out of this. No, hole. all I'm going to say, it's not digging anything. If anybody needs to dig, it's you. <gasps> <laughs> okay, we might have to stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> try again another day all i'm saying is i feel like you're more like the creative leader and i feel like my ideas are better so we normally go with them well that's one way of putting it <laughs> i mean you're not wrong i know so it was very surprising that i won the book pick i was i did not believe for a second that we were gonna pick mine <laughs> i think i think we're in a fight now <laughs> <laughs> I think the energy has changed. <laughs> but I don't want to steamroll the podcast, so I guess we'll move on. I, here's how I see it. Now, you know what? I don't know that I care how you see it. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change change the direction of the steam train. Here's how oh, I see it. Geez. I've always felt that you were more brilliant. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> kidding. Wow. I'm not even kidding. Because because we'd have like these ideas, right? But then you were the one like like we'd be like, all right, we gotta convince mom and dad something. And you were the one, and I'd be like, let's write a letter. And you would like take the letter and you would make it like this whole legalese letter, like to convince mom and dad. And it was brilliant so i feel like we collaborate very well but i just feel like you just like you have these nuanced ideas and i just figured that whatever book you were gonna pick was gonna blow my head out of the park. yeah yeah that's totally what you were saying okay all right although to, i will say i did get us our own room in florida that one time i know Remember that's that? what i'm saying <laughs> or like it would be like hey let's make like a map for this thing and then you were the one to figure out how to like distress it you know and like crumple it up and like, I'm just saying I remember vividly being a kid and being like we'd kind of pitch these ideas but then you just like take it to fruition and it was brilliant I, oh, I can't help man. it if I'm creative I you're very creative and it is very awesome mm -hmm. I was very bossy as a kid but I feel like I feel like you had more of the ideas that we went with Again, I can't help it that my ideas were better. <laughs> Do you remember the talk show we did? The ABBA talk show? Um, no, it was the ABBA Detective Agency. No, everything was ABBA. Oh. It was the ABBA <laughs> Mystery Guess Theater. Guess idea that was? Yours. No, it was yours. <gasps> it was not. Yeah, it was. I know. I, I okay, one, it doesn't really matter because it's such a stupid idea. It's just a combination of our two names. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> Proving my so it was the ABBA talk show, it was the ABBA mystery diner, it was the oh, ABBA restaurant. Great. It was always, it was, everything was ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> we had our own brand. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. It was the prequel to the September Sisters. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, but, okay, I have this one memory. I know we're going long on this, but. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we would do this talk show. I was a talk show host mm -hmm. and you were like 
every a plethora guest. of guests. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way I could have pulled that off. <laughs> <laughs> I had a must. So the one I do distinctly remember. <laughs> so the, the episode had a theme and it was this movie that was coming yes! out. And so it was yes! the author of the book that the movie was based on that it was the director is the lead actress and so we've shown because you know every time someone comes on promoting a film there's a clip right yes show this like two second clip of the like beginning of the black stallion where it's just the beach desert sun or something it's yeah. like romance oh my gosh <laughs> yes well and you took so you took a book that we had and you took the cover the book yeah. cover and you turned it inside out yeah and you drew on it and you came up with like the praise on the back of the book oh, that, yeah. like <laughs> critics are saying listen oh, do you still have it. that i kept it for a really long time i don't know if i still have it oh man i don't know where it is if i do it was so bright so see this is exactly what we're talking about so like just you took it to the next <laughs> level of brilliance <laughs> That was a good time. I so wish good. I wish we were born, although I guess maybe I don't, but yeah. part of me wishes that we were born in like this era where like mm-hmm. everybody has a smartphone and everything is recorded yeah. because I would love oh. to see like that one, the one play we did that was the mystery with the detective agency. Oh yeah. Where we used like my hat stand as the dead body. And <laughs> I forgot about that. I mean, that. it was entirely improvised. Like we knew the general outline, but oh. all of the dialogue was improv. Yeah. But it was, I don't know. I would just love to have a record of that. It makes me so sad that like we didn't have a camera yeah. when we were kids that our we have like, recorded it. We have some still some stills yeah some photographs I feel like there was one like a a murder show we did and I remember wearing this huge floppy sun hat yes because you were the gardener because we were both detectives and so one of us would interrogate a suspect and so the other one would have to be the suspect and then we have like seven thousand costume changes (laughs) as we constantly changed back and forth that's great oh good times my favorite was the talk show and all the different facets and the yeah you got the easy bit you just got to sit there with your cue cards i mean to be fair who became an actress when she grew up and went to theater like not me well getting a theater degree is not the same as becoming an actress but okay well i mean you acted for a while but i there i you know what i did what was my strength to do (laughs) <laughs> we must all play to our strengths. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I want to go find pictures. <laughs> I don't know how to segue from that. So we'll just say this is our segue into our, into our the book. book that we're actually talking about. Yes. yes. So well, I suppose we could we could just recap and say that actually ironically you introduced this movie to me i'd never seen it and i don't remember i don't remember how but i just i vividly remember you saying watch this movie or i walked in or Mm. something i don't know but i remember you introducing me to the movie and i just really really liked it um and that was years ago and it's very exciting to actually get to read 
the book. And it's been so long since I've seen the movie that now I do want to go rewatch the movie. Yeah. But what's also funny is that as I'm reading along, I'm realizing that the movie is a very faithful adaptation of the book, like beat for beat. Wow. And I I almost feel like some of the dialogue is taken directly from the book. Um, because now, reading the book is that. almost like rewatching the movie. Yeah. But so the book we were talking about is A Room with a View by E.M. Yes. Forster. We read the first five chapters this mm-hmm. week. So if you listened to our podcasts on uh, Agatha Christie's Death in the Clouds, um, we did a bit more of a detailed recap. Um, we're going to try something a little bit different with this book and do less of a sort of beat by beat recounting of the novel and more of a quick recap, which I uh, have been nominated to do. But as anyone who's known me for longer than 30 seconds knows, (laughs) I have a very difficult time with abbreviating anything. If I'm going to tell a story, I'm going to tell you, A, why I'm telling you the story, B, all the context (laughs) that went into it, what I was wearing when it happened. Um, I'm going to recount exact quotes of what was said. My mother has said for years that I do not give Reader's Digest versions. Of anything. Well, so. and that's not why you're here, dear listener. You're not here <laughs> for, for Reader's brief, Digest. Yes. No. If you thought you were, think Long again. <laughs> but I thought it would be fun, Abby. Let me know what you think of this idea. If you time how long it takes me to recap <laughs> these five chapters. Yes. And we'll I'll see. <laughs> pull up my timer yeah, right now. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm breaking out in the cold sweat. No. <laughs> All right, let's see. Stopwatch, reset. I think for context, we should just say that this book was published in 1923. Was it really? I was yeah. thinking 1912 for some reason. Why was I thinking nope. 1912? That was a different book. <laughs> Where did I get 1912 from? Oh, because my ebook yeah. has the date 1908, which is not 1912. <laughs> <laughs> Originally pu- published in hardcover in 1923. Yeah, no, mine says 1908. Oh, no, oh. We've, we've hit our first fact check. We really have. All right. So I'll write this down while you, while you recap. All right, okay. are you ready? Three, oh, okay. two, one, go. Okay, so we pick up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've already gotten derailed. So we, we uh, meet our characters in Florence. They're staying in a pension, which we need to get into later what exactly oh, that is. But I'll make kind another of like, note of that. Yeah, it's I don't like know a, what that was. It's like an inn. It's like some kind of travel. It's, it's not like a hotel, like a, a mainstream hotel, but it's some sort of like I don't know, hostile for travelers. Anywho, our main character is Lucy Honeychurch. She is traveling with her chaperone, Charlotte. They are at dinner. They are complaining about the fact that they were promised rooms with a view, and their rooms uh, look out into the courtyard, and there's a weird smell, and they're very upset. At dinner, they meet a father and son, the Emersons, I think, who uh, offer to swap rooms with them, but because they are polite society ladies, and for some reason you can't take a kind offer oh if i slow down it's gonna take me longer abby's giving me the single <laughs> i just figured if i talked really fast <laughs> my time got. okay i will i will take a slower approach 
sit back, snuggle down. Okay, you're cutting into my time. Okay. So, <laughs> because it would be improper for ladies to be under under any kind of obligation to strange men when they are traveling abroad, Charlotte declines their offer. And then we'll get into that again later. I wanted to talk to you about that because this is whole like rig and roll of people being offended, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. End result, they swap rooms. So now the ladies have a view. The gentlemen do not. Um, and so then it just kind of is going through their first forays out into Florence. They meet some of the other people staying at the same place. Um, uh, Lucy goes on a little bit of an expedition with uh, Ms. Lavish, who is a author, and uh, refuses to let Lucy take her travel guide with her, like takes it from her and then gets them lost and then kind of found and then abandons Lucy. So she ends up in this church by herself, runs into the father and son again, um, and has another encounter that just well yeah we'll get into that later it, i it feel like that's gonna her be it, yeah because it, it goes against what she expects herself to think about these people mm-hmm. based on what she knows she should think and like about based them. on proper society right yeah. um so then she ends up running back into her chaperone and going home and then she um ventures out on her own again and buys some pictures that she wasn't supposed to buy um, (laughs) as an act of rebellion and then um, witnesses a murder in a courtyard and faints and is rescued by the aforementioned son and then is very flustered because she wakes up in his arms because he's taken her from where she fainted and kind of sat with her on the steps and she's very flummoxed to be in, in the arms of a strange man and um and so she's <laughs> just a bit <laughs> so she's just a bit thrown for a loop um by her encounter with this young handsome muscular man mm. and uh then they she and charlotte encounter one of the curates who is staying there uh, mr eager and he invites them invites them on this outing but it's not really an invitation because a they'd already been invited by the other curate mr beeb or bb i don't i think beebs and they have to pay their own way anyways but he makes this big show of inviting them to go along and so they agree to go on this sort of picnic outing so that those are the major plot points and essentially you're just introduced to the characters who are all staying together Mm -hmm. at this hotel type situation sort of starting to see the world through lucy's eyes and get a sense of sort of what it is to be english in this time period what it is to be um an english tourist abroad and kind of what that does to your worldview and what it means to be a young woman in this society in these situations okay that was my recap how'd i do excellent four minutes and 28 seconds Ooh, that's less than a minute a chapter I know I that's so included hardly any details, but you know, you get the gist. No, well, I mean, I think that I think that was excellent because with this novel that we're reading, you know, it's a very different genre than a murder mystery. And I feel like a lot of the plot points like bleed into each other and overlap. Sure. And so I think it's kind of, it's challenging to kind of say like what happened because there's so much that happens. Like even just in each paragraph, like all of the like 
cultural things, all of the societal things. It, it's just like, it's so deeply, like you can pick it apart so much. Yeah. So that's, I really wanted to get your thoughts on this because yeah. I, I simultaneously loved and hated almost every aspect of it. Like there was not one thing that I only liked or I only disliked. It's like everything was this like conflict between the two opinions. Like I loved the style of writing. I thought that it was really interesting. I thought it was really intellectual. Yeah. And, but it had its own sort of charm to it. And then at the same time, I was getting just kind of annoyed at how sort of culturally specific it was. Like if you don't have a good understanding about the class system or about manners in upper middle class British society, there was so much that would go over your head. And because I have a degree of context with that, just because of, you know, plays I've been in that I've researched or, books that I've read previously or just I've sort of accumulated a a general understanding of some of these things so I was able to keep up so I didn't feel like it wasn't like that that situation where you have to sit down with the book and the dictionary and like every you know three words look it up I wasn't lost but I just there was so again it's just that cultural specificity that like if you don't really understand the the world that it's written in there's so much meaning that's lost, yeah. which is really cool because it's a hallmark of of that time and kind of a snapshot into it. But then, I don't know, there's just, well, and I think part of it was not necessarily the style of writing. It was just me more frustrated at the characters and the decisions that they were sure. making because they're so like <clears throat> locked into their time. And I'm looking at it with a 21st century lens yeah, going like, why are you being so annoying? <laughs> like That's so funny. So I, I, I had a completely different take on it. <laughs> See, this is why I wanted to talk to you because I was like, yes. I would venture a guess that we are going to disagree about just about everything. Yeah. So, way. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's like disagreeing as well, much not as like it's... a fight, but just that we're going to have very different opinions. I think, yeah, just a different, a different perspective, which is like, I think it's going to be very different than our discussions on the Agatha Christie book, because it's kind of like, we're sort of trying to solve the mystery along with it and join the writing. Whereas this, I feel like when you read a novel, I think it shows you a lot about yourself. Mm. And I feel like when we read novels, we find ourselves in the book. And so I think that it's a completely different experience for each person that reads the novel itself. It's going to be really fun to see what spoke to us in this novel and what what's different for both of us with what we saw. I found that when I first started reading it, it was like a little bit like just like getting into the groove, the writing mm-hmm. style. I don't think that it's a writing style that's like easy to just like get lost in. I feel right. like it takes a little bit of work not that it's like, like dated. I just think that, I think she really immerses you into conversations and you really have to pick up from conversations what's going on. Yeah. Well, I, I was making a parallel to 
like going and seeing a Shakespearean play. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. once you are immersed in the language, it's very easy to follow what's happening. Right. But it just takes a little bit of adjustment. And I completely agree that I had the same sort of like, almost like, you know, jet lag where you're trying to like catch up with something that's very different um, than what we're accustomed to. Right. And I think it's, I think it's more her style than language because I feel like the style in which she's writing, she doesn't reveal everything. Yeah. She, I feel like she, she really tempers the information that she's giving you through conversations. And so I found like I'd, I'd be maybe siding with one perspective or understanding mm-hmm. as it was revealed. And then as more information was given and more context, yep. then I was seeing it in a different light. Yep. Um, and I think that's why it's the type of book, like you don't just fall into the story. I feel like you, you're kind of perched there and it takes a little bit. That's I like you're in it. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a really good <laughs> that's a really good analogy. There was one place I'm trying to find it in my notes where it was kind of like what you were saying where you're introduced to a portion of information but not all of it. So it's not that sort of like third person right. omniscient type of thing. Oh yeah, here it is. Okay. So Lucy and Charlotte, her cousin, I think cousin are yes, chatting. Cousin. Yep. Um, Lucy says they're talking about uh Mr. B B I don't know, B E E B E, however you say it. Um, there was a haze of disapproval in the air, but whether the disapproval was of herself or of Mr. Beebe or of the fashionable world at Windy Corners or of the narrow world at Tunbridge Wells, she could not determine. She tried to locate it, but as usual, she blundered. Miss Bartlett sedulously denied disapproving of anyone and added, I am afraid you are finding me a very depressing companion. And the girl again thought, I must have been selfish or unkind. I must be more careful. It is so dreadful for Charlotte being poor. So you're kind of left to imagine or to fill in the blanks of like how Lucy went about trying to find. So it's implied that she asks Charlotte, what she's disapproving of and Charlotte like denies Mm -hmm. disapproving of anything, but there's so much that goes unspoken. And I think I'm used to novels that are a little bit more expository where there's just a little bit more information given and less left to your imagination. Mm -hmm. So it was very, it, it is not that sort of like third person omniscient narrator type of thing where you as the audience a reader are getting a lot of this sort of assistance <laughs> as you go. Like you really right. are kind of on your own perched at the edge of this. It's almost like you're eavesdropping on a conversation where you're getting bits and pieces, but not the full context, which just is a very different yeah. experience. Well, I think the other thing too is we are in Lucy's head, right? Mm-hmm. And everything that we learn is from Lucy's perspective. And so I think 
you know, her character is very naive and sheltered in a way. And I, and very confused about what's going on Mm -hmm. around her. And so I feel like, you know, when she's having these conversations, she's not forming like full thoughts of understanding. Like Mm -hmm. she's trying to figure out where she is in this world and the role that she's playing, like within these other people in this other context because it's she says a few times it's very different from when she was at home because when she was at home she had a lot more autonomy and independence Mm -hmm. and now here being abroad she doesn't and so she's having to follow rules that she didn't have to follow she's having to think about things she didn't have to think about and I so we're kind of learning along with her like her place yeah and figuring out things and like you know she's already known for forever that charlotte's her cousin and so that's only revealed to us later as it comes up in context that Mm -hmm. it's kind of dropped that that they're cousins and you kind of learn a little bit more um that's a really helpful way of thinking at it because I don't know. That's helpful that like, okay, I'm confused as the reader because Lucy is confused. And so this style of writing and the choices that the author is making are creating in me the same kind of sort of lost at sea feeling that Lucy has. Right. And that makes me dislike it a lot less. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I found that like once once I read like a few pages and kind of was like getting the groove of it, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. And I think um, normally I read, I just read books. I'm not a note taker. I'm not someone who, I mean, like I'll kind of dog ear or take pictures of a quote that I want to remember, but that's the extent of it. And so you know, with doing this podcast, I'm actually taking notes. And I found that taking notes of my thoughts and what I was observing and the characters was a really neat exercise for reading this book. And I feel like I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Like it's a very different experience when you're sitting, taking more detailed notes than just sitting and reading it for the sake of reading it. And it was almost like, as I was trying to kind of like understand like what I was thinking about it Mm -hmm. it was a good exercise like like practice like writing down what my thoughts Mm. were because I I really had a lot of thoughts because it's it's a lot is thrown at you all at once and you kind of have to like get your bearings pretty quickly and then they shift (laughs) and then they shift again yeah and what I really really like about Lucy is even though she is not understanding what's going on, you can see her brain is questioning Mm -hmm. what she was always taught. Yeah. And I think that that's really interesting, especially the early 1900s, whenever (laughs) this book was written, we'll figure it out. Um, But, you know, there is a lot of discussion about like societal norms and like, Mm -hmm. you know, you've alluded to this, but like what's appropriate to say, what's appropriate to keep to yourself, what's an appropriate action. And Lucy is navigating all of that and trying to figure out really like, does she agree with this? Is she thinking something different? Is she confused because it doesn't make sense or is she confused because it doesn't line up with what she was taught. Right. And I thought it was interesting. There's a couple of times where she like all, she like lets herself go to a point where Mm. she'll start 
speaking her mind and she'll start actually expressing her opinion yeah. and then something will cross a line like she, mm-hmm. somebody will say something like for example when she's in the church with the emersons and her she sees her cousin her first instinct is to be like oh no charlotte i have to go home with charlotte and then mr emerson the father is like oh poor girl and mm-hmm. she immediately snaps out of it. she's like what do you mean poor girl like i am mm-hmm. very fortunate and i'm happy and oh right. and isn't this a lovely day and she just sort of snaps back parroting. into this like yeah parroting what she's heard and what she knows to be the correct response and refusing to acknowledge that yes indeed she views herself as a poor girl in that moment and she doesn't want to have to go wander around with her kind of bizarre cousin and, yeah. and she would rather be doing her own thing and and it's referred to as a couple times where she goes back to daily life mm-hmm. and I don't know it's just very this I mean she's young I don't know that the book has said exactly how old she is yet but you get the impression that she's not a child but she's certainly not a mature right you know well-worn woman right um, she is a young girl and so I, I like I don't know I'm so glad that you said that because now it's sort of shifting <laughs> yeah. how I'm viewing because now I have it's more like well now I love the fact that initially these characters appear to be a certain way until yeah. she gets to know them better yeah and when her opinion shifts then our opinion shifts then because she starts off having this kind of like almost fascination with Ms. Lavish the mm-hmm. author and is very happy to go on this adventure with her until she gets left behind. And yeah. then further on, after she's witnessed the murder, which she doesn't really want to talk about, and she finds incredibly like earth shifting and upsetting. Yeah. People want to know about it. And and mm-hmm. it's sort of this like they're they want all the gory details. And all of a sudden she sees her in a very different light and is like, Well, I don't. I don't think I respect you anymore. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think I can admire you in the same way that I did because this is so like sort of beneath you to be that almost like pedantic about, well, not pedantic. That's not the word that I mean. Well, um, pedestrian. That's what I was. Oh, mm -hmm. about the details of this poor man who was killed. And so just, and that happens within the span of like two chapters. Right. You go from, <laughs> you know, this very positive to this fairly judgmental standpoint. And the same with the Emersons. Like, she's constantly right. changing she's her mind. She's back and forth. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say that she really oscillates and she has not landed on something mm-hmm. yet. You know, she really has not made up her mind. I think she's, I think she's really drawn to them and she doesn't want to admit to herself that she's drawn to them. And actually, there's this quote that Mr. Let's just decide. Is he Beeb or Beebe? Let's go with Beeb. Yeah. So Mr. Beeb says, it is so difficult, at least I find it difficult, to understand people who speak the truth. Mm. And I pulled that quote because I think even now... I feel like we're, we're always trained to like say the polite thing mm-hmm. or the politically correct thing. We're not really trained to like speak our truth and to say what we really think because maybe sometimes that's rude or insensitive. And, and so this idea that um, Mr. E- the senior Mr. Emerson 
is not worried about what other people think about him. Right. He's just speaking the truth as he sees it. And he is very, as a result, yes. But as a result, like he is viewed as ill bred Mm -hmm. and he's viewed as odd and his son, people view the son pittingly because it's like, oh, you have such an odd father. Yeah, and you're kind of tied to this unfortunate character. Well, exactly. And like, what, what must your education have been to be raised? And mm-hmm. irreligious is another oh, yeah. thing. Um, and they so- they don't adhere to this like standard, very, I mean, Lucy at one point, like it says like her views or her opinions are- very Catholic and yeah and this sort of you know the this idea that it's it's this very sort of standard religious institution yeah mentality and you know you go to church every Sunday and there's certain traditions and patterns that you're taught and ways of viewing the world and the Emersons are I mean seems to be fairly atheistic I think more than yeah I don't think they really like go into it I think it's just more that they they don't attend church but some of the philosophy that he talks about in the church about how like we're born from wind and we'll we'll become wind and mm -hmm. that there is no life after this you know is certainly that's true not based in a any sort of religious belief right um so I think it goes past just not attending church it's it's a disagreement with religious principles but but yeah and so even when they're at dinner that first night and it's this sort of awkwardness of everybody is assigned a place at the table and they're seated next to strangers and there's some people who have been at this lodging longer and so lucy and charlotte are are kind of waiting to be judged by the company collected whether they will do quote unquote Mm -hmm. or not do and very quickly it is determined that they in fact quote, do, unquote. And so everyone starts giving them advice and opinions and talking to them. They're sort of enveloped into this society, whereas equally as fast, Mr. Emerson Sr. and Mr. Emerson Jr. are determined to not do. And they are immediately ostracized and ignored. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within the span of one meal, you have this very clear division of propriety you know, making this judgment call about people's worth in society over really nothing as like, he's trying to be nice. Right. The reason that everyone shuns him is because he's very vocal about the fact that he and his son don't care if they have a view. Yeah. Lucy and Charlotte clearly do care if they have Mm -hmm. a view. So why shouldn't they have the rooms? Of course they should switch. Right. that is just so not done that then this kind gesture results mm-hmm. in everyone else being really much more rude than he was. Right. So yeah. that, I don't know. It made me like very happy to not be part of that social structure. This sort of mentality of like, we get to decide whether or not you are fit mm-hmm. for our social sphere. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think it, I think it's everywhere today. I mean, I don't think that's changed at all. I think that if you, wherever you are, if you don't fit like the standard, then you're ostracized in a way, or you are not, you know, you're just not regarded in the same light 
I mean, I've seen it in like the town where I am, where people with money look down on people who don't have money. And I think that the beauty of Mr. Emerson's character is, you know, because I don't, I don't view them as like, oh, I feel so bad that they're left out. I'm viewing it as like, this is so cool that he is so above all of the petty, how he should act. He's just doing his own thing and he's not bothered by all these other people because he is just doing his own thing. He's kind of risen above that. But then when he thinks that he's not made a social snafu, but when he thinks he's done something genuinely wrong, he's very like contrite. When he realizes that the, so they're in this church and he's very loudly explaining to Lucy certain things and kind of giving a bit of a running commentary on this. I think he's a vicar um, who's leading a a tour through the church and the um, Mr. Eager is his name. And he, he kind of makes some sort of snide remark and he takes his group into another room. He's like, Oh, well there, you know, there's not really room for two groups in here. And then once Mr. Emerson realizes that he, he was the reason why they left. Mm-hmm. He feels very sorry about it. Like the way it's not, it, I didn't take that as a sarcastic. Um, no, me neither. I it felt like a very genuine, like, oh no, like I've, I've said something wrong. I've done something wrong. I need to go make it right. And instead he just makes it worse. Well, so that's interesting. I feel like, like you don't know this at the time, but later, when you're learning more about Mr. Eager, you learn that he was purposefully snubbing Mr. Emerson. Right. right. And I think that that's why the apology wasn't taken, because Mr. Eager does not like <laughs> Mr. Emerson, because Mr. Emerson doesn't go to his church. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of the vicar people, yeah. I cannot figure out Mr. Beeb. Like, I get that he, because, okay, so I think this is what my issue is. Yeah. That I can tell that he keeps being frustrated that whatever his goal was is not being achieved. Okay. Specifically in his interactions with Charlotte. Like, she does not react the way that he wants her to react. He does not say or do the things that he wants her to say or do. Like, I get that. But I also don't understand what he wants her to do. So, like, because he's the one who sort of bridges the gap and mediates between the Emersons and Charlotte, really, because Lucy would have changed rooms immediately. But Charlotte is like, no, no. Um, Stuff proper. And then when she says, and Charlotte says, like, oh, should I, should I go and apologize for being rude or something? Yeah. And he, he looks at her. I can't remember. I'm yeah, not, I know what you're talking about. But he's, he's like disgusted or dis- disappointed. I'm like, well, what? I don't, I don't understand him. And I know that like, if we're thinking about it through the lens of like how Lucy views the world, she starts off with a very positive opinion of him because they've met him before in England. Yeah. And she really liked him. And he, I don't know, he's just a very confusing character to me. Like, I can't yeah. figure out what he wants. Yeah, no, I, I was confused by that, too, because I felt like he was sending, like, some mixed messages. Yes! Like, yes! he was saying, like, here's the expect, here's what I expect of you. 
She responded accordingly, Charlotte did, and then he switches it. Yeah. But yet, whatever Lucy has to say, like, adores Lucy. Yeah. So I like, don't know Lucy whether it's just... can't do any wrong. Yeah. So I don't know whether it's just he doesn't like Charlotte or... Well, my, my one thought was, like, maybe it's... One, we may learn more as the book progresses. Sure. I think that's a given. Um, but I kind of got the sense that it it's there to show this like contrast between Lucy and Charlotte Mm. that whatever Charlotte is doing, there's something in like inherent about it that is either like not wrong, but like, but no matter what she does, it's going to be taken the wrong way. Well, either that or like that she, uh, here's my guess. And this is partially because I've seen the movie, but <laughs> it has been a while. So, but my guess is that we're going to watch Lucy evolve and make her way in the world. And I think Charlotte is there to show like what happens when you just mold to society mm. and when you just do everything the way that you're supposed to do. And I think that in all of these interactions with Charlotte, it's she's doing everything she was trained to do right like everything that she was raised and is proper and if you notice it consistently doesn't make sense to lucy right like she'll go out on Mm -hmm. errands when it rains but then on a bright sunny day she'll stay at home be like oh no i don't want to I don't want to bother you. Like you go do your thing. I don't want to burden you with my company. And yeah. and I almost, I think part of it is not j- even just that she's trying to adhere to what she's supposed to do. It's that she has a martyr complex. Like yeah. she wants to do the thing that is most inconvenient for herself because she's poor, because she's only on this trip because Lucy's mother is helping right. pay for her way. And so she's like trying to prove how grateful she is and how, how she's trying to make herself um, helpful and, and indispensable in a way to kind of not only just be, to kind of earn her keep and, and yeah. prove that like, yes, it's, it's good that I'm here. See, don't regret that I came like I'm the best chaperone there is. Yeah. But because Lucy's not stupid, she she can like sense this disconnect of this surface level sincerity because Charlotte says all the right things. Right. And she she's very kind and selfless and whatnot. But I think that Lucy can sense the sort of duplicity. Of yeah. It underneath. Um, yeah, I I think that's definitely part of it. I think that it's all, it also just shows like like whatever Charlotte says, right, is mm-hmm. what proper society right says, and I think that there's a point that's being made that says proper society doesn't always make sense. <laughs> yeah, and I do love that even in this sort of early twentieth century book we do have a protagonist who is sort of prevented from at least at this point completely acting mm-hmm. on her instincts but she is at very at the very least wanting to question yeah. what she sees and well, sort she's of she's thinking about everything mm-hmm. she's not just like standing by and having things happen like you, you're in her, you're seeing that she's questioning 
these norms and you know how things are quote supposed to unquote be yeah so lucy and i remember this again because i've seen the movie i remember this being fairly significant but she she plays the piano and it's sort of oh, this yeah. sense that she plays it not necessarily perfectly but at the very least passionately and so it's sort of like her true self emerges when she mm-hmm. plays the piano and she I loves to that. play the piano and so she she says um i think mr bb beeb whatever <laughs> um <laughs> i'm just gonna <laughs> switch it back and forth it is what it is um, yeah so she's having this discussion with him and she wants she wants to go take the electric tram and like stand right on the platform so she can essentially like feel the wind through her hair and he says like no you can't do that so it's lucy never knew her desire so clearly as after music she had not really appreciated the clergyman's wit nor the suggestive twitterings of miss allen conversation was tedious she wanted something big and she believed that it would have come to her on the windswept platform mm-hmm. of an electric tram this she might not attempt it was unladylike why why were most big things unladylike charlotte had once explained to her why it was not that ladies were inferior to men it was that they were different their mission was to inspire others to achievement rather to, than to achieve themselves. Indirectly, by means of tact and a spotless name, a lady could accomplish much. But if she rushed into the fray herself, she would be first censured, then despised, and finally ignored. Poems had been written to illustrate this point. And this, yeah. I mean, that is like the... That's it, right there. <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell. She can't do what she wants to because it's unladylike and she has mm-hmm. to be a lady in society because if she is not a lady with a spotless reputation, she is nothing. Right. And I think that that's going to be the crux of this book. Mm. I think right there. And actually, so I pulled another quote from Mr. Emerson, let yourself go, pull out from the depths, those things that you do not understand and spread them out in the sunlight and know the meaning of them. I loved that. Isn't that great? That's and I, such a good quote. I just feel like like it is the, the systematic setup of questioning societal norms mm-hmm. and questioning your place in the world and having a mind for yourself. And I love all of those ideals so much. And not being afraid of the depths. Like not because sometimes it is terrifying to to dig up these deep thoughts and these Mm -hmm. conflicts of the soul and like spread them out in the sunlight and look at them yeah and it is so much more comfortable and safer to like keep things hidden away and not worry about it deal with it and not deal with it and just go Mm -hmm. day to day like well i know what i'm expected to do i know what is proper so i'm just gonna do that even if it kills me inside and my soul shrivels and dies Mm -hmm. i'm going to do what i'm supposed to do because that's so much less painful than than putting these deep things out in the sunlight Um, yeah 100 percent so yeah so before we wrap up um i just want to get your opinion thus far on our sort of main characters so lucy our protagonist i very much like I think that she is a bit annoying, but not in an off-putting way. It's more so that she's just a bit childish. And so she can be, you know, peevish at times, but not to make her unlikable. Yeah. I I absolutely love Lucy. I 
I love that she is this inquisitive young woman who's trying to figure out her place in the world. And I love that we are going along with her for the ride and figuring this out. And all I, like, I can't help but just rooting for her to, like, find her voice Mm -hmm. and to, like, not just conform and kind of, like, die and inner death, you know, like, I just, I, all, like, those, like, little seeds are there, and so I'm, I'm, like, rooting for her, like, through the book to, like, have those take root and really, like, know herself. Um, I'm all for a a good arc in character development, so I'm hoping for that. Yeah. What do you think of dear old Charlotte? I mean, she's definitely annoying. (laughs) Um, But I feel kind of, like, sad for her, too. She just feels, like, very, like, trapped. And trampled. And boxed in. And I feel like the two clergymen Mm -hmm. are just, like too stuck up like they're so full of themselves like they know it all yeah you know and like (laughs) they're they're (laughs) they're above everything yeah and they're very different in their opinions of the world and the way that they speak to people and Mr. Eager is certainly more overtly condescending yeah but yeah Mr. Beeb certainly has this very clear view that like he knows best right and if everyone would only just follow along with his suggestions, then yeah. everything would be right with the world. And yeah. it's, so it's it's more benevolent condescension. Right, right. And I do, I like the Emersons. I, like, I found almost, <laughs> like, I was wishing Mr. Emerson would tone it down a notch. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I kind of love that he doesn't care but of course, I'm the type of, like, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt or offend anyone. So yeah. I always think about the nice way of saying things. Well, like, and I have horrendous secondhand embarrassment. Like, if anyone does anything remotely, socially, like, awkward, awkward or, or makes a faux pas of any kind, I'm like, oh, it hurts yeah. me. Like, I know that's why our father is so frustrating to me because he is missing the embarrassment gene. So nothing he does embarrasses himself. But it embarrasses me on his behalf. Tell me about it. When I was like five or something or seven, mom and dad and I were going out to dinner and he wore a plaid shirt with plaid shorts. And I was mortified as a child. And of course he didn't care. So Mm. I I had that similar thing that like on the one hand, (laughs) I loved Mr. Emerson for just saying what everybody else is thinking, yeah. but what everyone refuses mm-hmm. to admit even to themselves that they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But, and then on the other hand, I'm like, could you just, could you maybe lower your voice just like yeah. a smidge? Just a tad. Just like, just pull back just like a- Right. Just a squidge. <laughs> yeah. And I thought the younger Mr. Everson, George, again, he's one of those that I'm like, oh, you are so full of yourself. Agreed. Like this, so like this mopey man of the world, like nothing yeah. interests me. I'm like, oh gosh, like just put a smile get over on your yourself. Face. Like get over it. Like you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. I'm sure because you know whatever he is. It's definitely not one of those like I'm. I am suffering because someone something is wrong with my life. It is. I am suffering because I like the feeling of suffering. Yeah. Um, and that very self-indulgent. I just wanted to smack it. 
like I don't I don't like dislike him no but I also at this point I'm just kind of like listen you're not the stuff let's get that yeah yeah (laughs) like you yeah he (laughs) um and then the only other I mean we have the two Allen sisters but really they're really fairly insignificant the only other one that is of note at this point is Miss Lavish and I which pain in the neck which no so here's the thing who does she remind you of we have read two books in a row now where there is an author who's like this crazy character (laughs) trying to glean information for their own books no 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 no. do not besmirch the name of Mr. Clancy thank you very much he was a a gem and this woman's a pain I don't know she like I think it's one of those things where I may be projecting onto her what I remember from the movie like from the first five chapters there's really nothing wrong with her like she's a bit well see I don't I don't really like her I because she's just she's not like attentive or like well just the fact that she invites Lucy yeah commandeers something that Lucy has decided it's important important to her and says, no, no, you don't need that. In fact, not just you don't need that, but like basically implying you're an idiot for thinking that you should use a guidebook. Mm-hmm. That's not the way to do Italy. Right. Here, I'm going to show you, similar to what we were saying about the clergyman, about like mm-hmm. my way is better. My way is the only way. So come mm-hmm. with me. And then she just leaves her. Like I know. just completely abandons her. I'm like, okay, you're not cool, lady. Not cool. No, but what I did think was funny um, is that she is take as an author she's taking what's around her to put in her books yeah and her name is eleanor and the main character in her (laughs) book is lenora yeah yeah that was great (laughs) but i just thought that like of all the books in all the world that we could have picked a back-to-back we have this feature authors same kind of character Um, well, so one of the, some of the quotes that I, I wanted to share, uh, one is about Lucy's love of music and the quote is the kingdom of music is not the kingdom of this world. Mm. And I just thought it was like, so, I mean, it was so poetic and so beautiful, (laughs) but then it's also like, it just kind of accentuating like this this place that Lucy goes to when Mm -hmm. she plays piano. Yeah. Which I think is, is really interesting. And I, I love this style of literature. You know, there's these very sort of quotable passages that like, Mm -hmm. you can just see them being like embroidered on a pillow or like posted on Instagram or something. Um, Which we will probably do. Yeah. I was just going to (laughs) say, I wish I put our favorite quotes in an album on Instagram. Um, But but that it's not self-conscious about it. Like it's not like, this is just the way that this book is written. Like it's not trying yeah. to be quotable necessarily that there's right. not this. Cause sometimes you read books and you get to a section and it's like, Oh, you thought about this for so right. long and you wrote this out in pretty calligraphy and you imagined all the people yeah. putting this on their Instagram. I yeah. did not get that feeling from this. No. This is just the way, the, the language of the book. I'd be curious to see what this author's views are and, you know, his perspective, because yeah. I feel like his 
perspective or his, you know, how he sees things is coming through in these characters and using the characters to kind of express like his opinion. So I'd be very curious. Well, and it's fascinating to me that this is an early 20th century novel yes. written by a man mm-hmm. with these views on a yes. woman's place in society. Like right. that is really really interesting it's very interesting so i will be very curious to see where this book goes Mm -hmm. and especially the dynamic between lucy and the various men Mm -hmm. that are you know because it is already interesting to see her relation you know her rapport with each of them and that dynamic um one of the things that lucy says later on in this section is she says she lucy was accustomed to have her thoughts confirmed by others or at all events contradicted it was too dreadful not to know whether she was thinking right or wrong it's so funny that we like highlighted so many (laughs) yes yes i thought that too because i i sometimes am in that exact same boat where i'm like i know kind of the thoughts that are in my head mm-hmm. but I need somebody else to validate whether they're right or not right <laughs> like it's not enough to just like think my own thoughts and have my own opinions like I want to know if they're the right ones mm-hmm. well and I think like going back to what I said earlier like I think that this is the arc of this character is she is so used to depending on other people on just going along with society says she's supposed Mm -hmm. to do but she has this internal struggle of like she wants to do something big and different and these two things are clashing and so you know what is she gonna what's she gonna do what where is she gonna end up I thought uh kind of I don't know, like sweet or heartwarming, I guess, or interesting quote is Miss Catherine Allen. So one of the like twittering old ladies, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she says, I cannot help thinking that there is something to admire in everyone, even if you do not approve of them. Mm. And I loved that because here we are seeing this dynamic of like these, the Emersons being ostracized yeah. because they're not approved of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she is kind of pointing out like, just because you don't agree with someone, like there's still good or there's still something that you can admire in every person. And I just, especially from like this yeah. little old lady, like, right. Who seemingly in the, yes. uh, yeah, in the aforementioned ostracizing. Yes. But I also, I thought there, and maybe this will come up more when we yeah. talk about it next week, but um, the contrast between what is beautiful and what is delicate and mm-hmm. how um, Charlotte does not distinguish between the two. Like Mm -hmm. she doesn't think it can be beautiful if it's not delicate. Mm -hmm. And then once that conversation has happened, it changes the way that Lucy looks at things and she starts to recognize things that, oh, well, that is not sort of quote unquote delicate, but it is beautiful. And how do I feel about that? Um, So yeah, I'm really, I'm, I enjoyed like this, this first four, even though I was very sort of emotionally conflicted, it was not an unpleasant experience. Like I, I really enjoyed the particular style and I am looking forward to seeing kind of how this story progresses and where we go from here. Yeah, I agree. 
I thought you said something interesting earlier, like when Lucy sees the murder, she is like changed. Mm. And she says like one of her thoughts is um, the well-known world had broken up. Mm. And that's, that was kind of like the end of like these first five chapters. And I really am very excited to see the journey that she goes on and going along for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's cheesy. Oh no. I don't know. Oh, well, what you going to do? But yeah. So everyone let us know what you thought. If you're reading along, um, do you have a character that you really resonate with? Did you pick up on some of these like deeper topics that we're discussing? You know, the social and cultural type differences. Who and... wins the award for most annoying character in your book? Yes. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> everybody's a little bit annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but who's the most? Yeah. <laughs> I think the I think the friend is what's her name? Um, Lavish. Lavish. Awesome. She's the most annoying. I, mean, I don't. I I can't stand her. <laughs> what about you? Um, currently, I don't know. Probably Mister Eager. I think he's really annoying. Yeah, he is <laughs> really annoying. <laughs> Nitwit. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any wrecks? Oh, do I have any recommendations? Oh no. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm like looking around my room, like, what yeah. should I recommend? You know what I'm gonna recommend this week? Hmm. Water. Everyone needs to stay hydrated. Oh. Everyone needs to drink more water. Wow. I've been trying. Hey, you know, I it's, it's <laughs> no, it's joke, good. I'm, I'm serious. I have been trying really hard to drink more water and mm-hmm. stay hydrated. And everyone, everyone needs water drink more water well in that vein because i also had not prepared a recommendation (laughs) i recommend walking oh yeah because you know what i've been trying to walk every day and it is so lovely to be outside feel good it's not strenuous and it's said it's supposed to like do all these wonderful things for you so Highly so, recommend it. Drink lots of water and try to get outside for a walk. <laughs> that's, that's that's hey, this this is why you listen for the solid recommendations. Oh yeah, around. Queen's a good advice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let us know what you thought. You can find us at um, Instagram, Facebook at September Sisters Pod, or you can email us at September Sisters Pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>